You're listening to the podcast of Canadian Serbian Sun magazine, a program about Serbia, Serbs, and Serbian culture, which is intended for people around the world. My name is Kristina Bjelic. In this episode, we will travel with you along the Morava Valley in Serbia, where we find some of the most beautiful Serbian medieval monasteries of the Morava School, as well as breathtaking natural wonders. We also have a chance to talk to our honorary Serbian son-in-law from Montreal, Sasha Vijon, better known by his nickname, Sale Dugokosi, a Canadian man who's been married to a Serbian woman for 20 years already. The Serbs were first mentioned as a separate people in the Balkans in 622 CE under the name Sorabi. There are many theories and hypotheses about when they arrived to the Balkans and from where, but one thing is for sure. At the beginning of the 7th century CE, they had already settled large parts of the Roman province of Dalmatia, and in some Byzantine writings from the 7th and 8th centuries, they are called Gordoserba, or Serbian people, who inhabited parts of Asia Minor. The first Serbian ruler who was mentioned in written documents at the end of the 8th century was named Vyshoslav. The first Serbian dynasty marked several generations of rulers after him, the last of whom was called Chaslav. During the rule of the first Serbian dynasty, the Serbs were small people surrounded by powerful empires. The Bulgarians to the east, Byzantium to the southwest, and the Frankish kingdom to the north. At the end of the 9th century, the Hungarians arrived to the Carpathian Basin. Various wars with the Bulgarian Empire marked the period from Vlasivir to Chaslov. The Bulgarians finally entirely overran Serbia during the reign of Chaslov, who seven years later completely renewed Serbia and went down in history as the most significant ruler of the first Serbian dynasty. Chaslov died in battle against the Hungarians around the year 950 CE. With his death came the end of the first ruling family, that is, its direct line of male heirs. Until the appearance of the Nemanjic dynasty, there were no significant names on the throne of Serbia, except for at the beginning of the 11th century when we had Jovan Vladimir, the ruler of Dukla, the most powerful Serbian kingdom at the time. He left a deep impression in Serbian history, and he was recognized by the Serbian Orthodox Church as a saint and a martyr. The Nemanjic dynasty ruled Serbia for more than two centuries and achieved the greatest territorial expansion of medieval Serbia. Stefan Nemanja was the great leader, or Župan, of Raška and the heir to the ruling dynasty of the Nemanjices. After rising up against Byzantium in 1180, he conquered Dukla with its seaside towns and spread his rule to the surrounding regions – Kosovo, Metohija, Skopje in the Afr Varda region, Zeta, Travunia, Zahumlja, and the Neretjanska district. He was expanding his lands until his defeat at the Battle of Morava in 1190, after which Raška still kept the majority of its conquered territories and freed itself of its vassal obligations towards Byzantium. Nemanja's heirs kept the integrity of the territory in which medieval Serbs lived. Stefan II, Nemanja's middle son, inherited the throne, while his eldest son Vukan ruled over Zeta. Nemanja's youngest son, Rasko, even at that time took his monastic vows and the name Sava on Mount Athos, where his father joined him later and together they built the Serbian monastery Hilandar. Stefan Nemanja and Sava, who became the first Serbian archbishop, were sainted. The respect towards Stefan Nemanja and the archbishop Sava as saints was also attributed to all of the Nemanjic rulers. It was emphasized that the rulers from this dynasty came from saintly roots. This is why the Nemanjic dynasty is also called Svetorodna, or saint-bearing. Stefan II was the first Serbian king to be crowned, and therefore called Prvovenčani, or first crowned. 
At the same time, the Serbs received their first crown king and Serbia was proclaimed a kingdom, Sava Nemanjic became the first Serbian archbishop in 1219. With that, he established the foundations of Serbian Orthodoxy in both a spiritual and regulative sense, which has not changed to this day, which is why the Serbian church is also called Svetosavska or of Saint Sava. During the reign of King Milutin from 1282 until 1321, the economic and military strength of Serbia reached its climax. The period of greatest conquest in the history of Serbia began. His reign was also the longest of the whole Nemanjic dynasty, lasting almost 40 years. He took Skopje back from Byzantium, which became one of the capitals of the Serbian rulers. Byzantium handed over the land of Macedonia north of the line Ohrid Prilepšti. The long reign of the Serbian ruler also yielded some of the most valuable and longest-lasting endowments and churches. No other Nemanjic ruler left such a trace in building and art as did King Milutin. King Stefan Dechanski expanded Serbia by conquering the territories of today's Macedonia. He waged war with Dubrovnik and managed to conquer back the islands of Ston, Pelješac and a part of Hum. He completely defeated the Bulgarians and showed the dominance of Serbia in the Balkans. During the nearly two and a half decades of the rule of Tsar Dušan, starting in 1331, medieval Serbia reached the heights of its territorial and juridical development. Tsar Dušan finished the conquest of Macedonia and established peace with Byzantium. He expelled the Hungarians across the Sava River and thus conquered Machva. He conquered almost the whole of Albania. In 1346, he was officially crowned Tsar, or Emperor, of the Serbs and Greeks in Skopje. His kingdom stretched from the Danube in the north to the Gulf of Corinth in the south, and from the shores of the Adriatic Sea at Dubrovnik in the west to the shores of the Aegean Sea at Kavala in the east. The most significant legal document from his reign was Dushan's Code from the year 1349. Considering the vast array of social contracts that it legislated, Dushan's Code can be considered the medieval Serbian constitution. Stefan Dushan is remembered as Dushan the Mighty. His son and heir, Stefan Uroš, is remembered as Uroš the Weak. He was not able to maintain, let alone consolidate, the extensive empire. The Serbian Empire eventually fell apart. Buying or selling a home is a big emotional and financial investment. For that, you need a professional, a real estate agent. Call Miljana Drapic at 416-762-4200 or at 416-825-6960. Serbia was no longer unified and in this state received the Ottoman Empire, which even in the mid-14th century was making its way towards Europe. It was clear that it was not going to stop until it reached the walls of Vienna. The divided Serbian Empire waited for its defining battle against the Ottoman Empire and this happened on the River Marica. After the defeat of the Serbian army by the Turks on the River Marica in 1371, the northern regions of the former Nemanjic Kingdom, which were rather neglected during the time of the first Nemanjiches, received exceptional significance. During the time of Prince or Knez Lazar and despot Stefan Lazarevic, in the central part of the Morava Valley in Serbia, a new original art form was developing, particularly in architecture. The Morava architectural school was the last great epoch of medieval Serbian art. It lasted until 1427, but its influence stayed very strong for many subsequent decades. The basic characteristic of the Morava style is in the foundations of the church, which is in the shape of a trefoil, that is, a cross and square church. 
Inspired by the monasteries on Mount Athos, north and south choir apses were added to the main central apse. The exterior of the buildings were made of grey or yellowish stone and red bricks, although there are some examples of plastered facades, such as the Monastery Ravanitsam. Rosettes and reliefs commonly covered the frames of the doorways and windows, as well as the arches. In terms of fresco painting, a new Serbian style was developed. During this period, two of the largest fortresses in Serbia were also built, the Belgrade Fortress and the town of Smederevo. On the almost deserted and empty land that was the Morava Valley and its neighboring areas, there developed an art that was based on the previous experiences of Byzantine and Serbian creators, but added many new elements, particularly in architecture. At that time, Serbia was one of the last free Orthodox nations in the Balkans, so it became an oasis and juncture of talented and intellectual people, among whom were architects, artists, and writers. During this golden age of art and culture, the Morava churches and monasteries were built in accordance with refined taste. In today's episode, we'll talk about the three most significant monasteries of this period, Manasya, Ravanitsa, and Ljubostinja. A visit to the Morava Valley in central Serbia, along with a few places on the edge of the Timok Valley to the east, only two hours from the Serbian capital Belgrade, is not only a unique trip through history, but also the natural beauties of this area awaken all the senses. If you're well organized or simply do not have time for a longer stay, a visit to these monasteries and attractions can be done in a single day. The monastery Manasya or Resava, is one of the most significant monuments of medieval Serbian culture and belongs to the so-called Morava school. It was built by Despot Stefan Lazarevic between 1407 and 1418. Soon after its founding, Manasya became a cultural center in the despotate. Despot Stefan was highly regarded among European nobility. He was a warrior by necessity, trained as a knight and skilled in combating, a diplomat, a highly educated man, a writer and translator. He wrote several literary works, of which the most famous is his Slovo Ljubve, or A Word on Love. He developed a lively translation industry and founded the famous Reseva school, in which many manuscripts and books were copied and translated. The monastery Manasya brought together many literary and educated people and became a significant cultural center of the despotate, whose literary and copying work influenced the literature of all the Orthodox Balkan lands. The monastery was sacked and destroyed several times during Ottoman rule, Although heavily damaged, the frescoes of Manasya are considered among the highest accomplishments of medieval painting. One of the main attractions when approaching the entrance to the monastery is its fortifications with 11 towers connected by protective walls. The main despot's tower beside the church was the keep, which could be approached from the rampart. The monastery church consecrated to the Holy Trinity was done in the Morava style from sandstone with large blocks, some more than a meter long, in a straight arrangement. The interior of the church is adorned with the cupola, partially preserved original frescoes, and a stone floor from the 15th century. Inside the defensive walls are also preserved the remains of the original monastery dining room. The heavily damaged frescoes and monastery icons represent some of the greatest accomplishments of medieval Serbian painting. Besides the story of the Gospel, depictions of Despot Stefan, Saint Sava, and the Archangel Michael have also been preserved. The writings of Constantine the philosopher in the 15th century mentioned that the church was, quote, so beautifully painted that it was talked about as a wonder across all the Serbian lands. Visit our website at sunmagazine.ca. Subscribe for print or digital editions of Sun Magazine.
With your subscription, you will help promote Serbian ethnic identity, culture, and traditions, as well as help develop new podcast content for our Canadian public and other listeners worldwide. Of all the ancient professions, historians must certainly appreciate scribes the most. Before the printing press was invented, monasteries were the places where noble scholars helped preserve our past by studying, copying, and translating Greek and Roman classics. Thanks to their dedicated work, we are able to appreciate what survived of the literature, art, and scholarship of antiquity which in turn allows us to better understand our path from then to now. It was with this in mind that I found myself reverently examining the ruins of the school of Rusava inside the timeless walls of Manasya Monastery. The spectacular last gasp of medieval Serbian cultural expression is nestled in a valley amongst luxurious green hills and utter tranquility. Formerly named after the Rusava River, which runs in every cardinal direction before circumventing the high walls of the Bastion, no one can say how or why it came to be known as Manasia. The forest structure reveals the arrival of the cannonball in medieval warfare with earlier square towers connected to later deflective hexagons. These imposing defenses guard the Church of the Holy Trinity, which was restored to near perfection in the 19th century. It shelters the most beautiful frescoes in Serbia, as well as a unique mosaic floor unseen in any other monastery. But what captivates my mind is imagining the activities of the scribes in the school of Rusava, whose walls were, prior to its destruction, adorned with frescoes and lined with books. In the 15th century, they housed Despot Lazarevich's library of some 20,000 volumes. It was Serbia's Alexandria. This was where scholars fleeing the approaching Turks gathered to read, write, and continue the work of copying and translating safeguarding the treasures of the past. The school was a shrine to the work done within its walls, honored with the preservation of the Serbian language through the work of Constantine the Philosopher. This remarkable man also corrected the mistranslations of classics by the less meticulous, and his legacy continued for another two centuries under the Ottomans. I often think how magical it would be to travel back in time and peruse the collection that was preserved there. But then, I'd have to learn Greek and Old Slavonic. It was also at Manasya in 1790 that according to the military archives in Vienna, the occupying Turks invited a couple of hundred of Serbian worshippers to pray at the defunct church, only to slaughter all of them. As such, the site was sanctified and, similarly to the Tower of Skulls in Niche, added fuel to the fires of the coming uprisings. But there is no hint of tragedy today, and the lovingly maintained cloister is shared by nuns, restoration workers, and fascinated visitors. 
It is without doubt one of the most beautiful locations in Europe, and every photo taken from within or without becomes an instant postcard. For my own part, my twin loves of history and Serbia coincide at this unique spot to make my visits a Serbophile's pilgrimage to a sanctum of knowledge. On the way to Monastery Manasya, one should definitely visit the Resova Cave, situated 20 kilometers away from the monastery near the town of Despotovac, as it is one of the most visited tourist attractions in Serbia. The Resova Cave is around 80 million years old. Its formation started before the Great Ice Age as the result of chemical and mechanical reactions of the underground river which passes through the limestone substrate. The cave was discovered in 1962 and opened for tourists in 1972. It is 4.5 kilometers long and has four levels, but only 800 meters and two levels are open to visitors. The temperature is a constant 7 degrees Celsius, while the air humidity varies from 80 to 100%. The age of the cave formations is estimated to be approximately 45 million years old. The inside of the cave is rich with numerous and diverse chambers, canals, galleries, pillars, stalactites, stalagmites, flowstones, and petrified waterfalls. The road continues towards Bogovina Cave, which can only be visited with a guide. This cave has been known for a while, but has only been partially open to curious tourists since 2013, so there are still no road signs pointing to it. Besides, even if you found it by yourself, you would not be able to visit it without a guide. For now, only the first 500 meters have been adapted for visits, but even at that depth, you can see several large chambers and fully appreciate the beauty of this cave. The concert chamber is particularly enchanting, where listening to a musical performance would be a truly unique experience. It is actually possible to organize a tour of the whole cave, around 6 kilometers long, with the local speleological society. On this trip, one should also pause and take a deep breath, and this part of Serbia also offers a world-class hotel, the all-inclusive ethno-hotel Rtanj Balashevich in the heart of Serbia. This is an amazing place to escape from the city to clean mountain air, with the silence only broken by chirping birds. After a short break in the hotel, the next destination is the mountain Rtanj. From the top, one can see a magnificent view of half of Serbia, which is why it's called the Roof of Serbia. Currently, the only things at the top are a cross and a sensor. There used to be a small church which was demolished because of a legend that told of a treasure buried there. The treasure was never found and the church was, unfortunately, destroyed. Traveling down from Irtanj through Sokobanya, Kruševac and Vrnjaškabanya could be a road trip worth spending a whole day on. Two and a half hours by car, stopping from time to time in the nicest Serbian spa towns and Knezlazer's capital city, will lead the traveler to one of the most beautiful monasteries. Monastery Ravanica is located at the foot of the Kuchai Mountains beside the small Serbian town of Čupria. The monastery is the endowment of Knez Lazar, who died in the Battle of Kosovo on St. Vitus Day, June 28, 1389. The church is surrounded by a strong defensive wall with seven towers. Ravanica was built between 1375 and 1377, and the frescoes were painted a few years before the Battle of Kosovo. After the battle and Lazar's death and the subsequent transfer of his remains from the Church of the Ascension in Pristina to Ravanica in 1392, the monastery became a place of pilgrimage and a center around which a cult of Lazar as the martyr of Kosovo was formed. Precisely because of this kind of activity, 
the constant cultivation and preservation of national consciousness and the conservation of the spirit of resistance, the Ravanitsa Brotherhood was continually coming into conflict with Turkish authorities. Ravanitsa was demolished and burnt many times, during which the church itself never suffered damage, but rather the defensive walls and other monastery buildings. The church did suffer considerable damage in 1686 and 87, when also a great number of the monks were killed. After this, the remaining monks had to flee the monastery in Serbia itself, joining the Great Migration of Serbs in 1690, led by Patriarch Arsenija III Czarnojevic. It is still possible to see the remains of the original defensive walls around the monastery. The church is consecrated to the Ascension of Christ and represents the early period of the Morava school, as it was built using alternating rows of stone and red bricks and decorated with elaborate reliefs and rosettes. The inside of the church still has a few remaining original paintings and frescoes. Of those remaining frescoes, the most significant is the Benefactor's Commission on the Western Wall, on which sainted Prince Lazar and Princess Milica are depicted with their young sons Stefan and Vuk, in addition to figures of the holy warriors on the north and south choir apses. Buying or selling a home is a big emotional and financial investment. For that, you need a professional, a real estate agent. Call Miljana Drapic at 416-762-4200 or at 416-825-6960. Saleh, what is your experience with this part of our culture? I had been to Ravanitsa Monastery several times in my journeys across Serbia. It's close to the highway we often travel, and it was always of interest to me for its singular place in the history of the Morava style of church architecture. Over these multiple visits, I noticed something new each time that I hadn't before. I was accustomed to this phenomenon when visiting such sites, but nowhere was it more evident than at this venerated spot. And on my most recent visit, it gave up a secret that has haunted me since. Ravanitsa, while unique, is typical of its period. The usual hallmarks of the Serbian medieval monastery are there. The choice location next to a small river surrounded by green hills. The farm plot and apiary for the monastics and the devotional pearl in the center, hiding a harmony of structure, decoratively sculpted on the outside and adorned with frescoes and the scent of frankincense within. Add to this the fortress walls built against and ruined by the encroaching Ottomans, and you have an enchanting scene out of a dream. It is always in these special places that I find a tranquility I desperately need. And I invariably realize how deep this need is the minute I perceive it all around me. Of course, monasteries like Ravanitsa were built and garnished with belief and divine worship in mind and heart. And so perhaps I should mention my atheism. I used to believe once, long ago, but my capacity for religious faith faded as my life moved on and I learned the logic of science. Blasphemy, I came to think, is a victimless crime. And yet, every summer, I find myself in front of some ancient Serbian shrine 
inspired and enthralled with wonder at the motivations of its creators, and transfixed by the traces of older patterns reverberating through their work. I become conscious that something intangible is taking place. I won't deny that my perceptions are tainted by my interest in the history and evolution of our shared human project. With the eye of my curious mind, I search for the signs of Europe's pagan past, the currents of belief that moved like rivers through these valleys and shaped devotional art through the centuries. Those spiritual and artistic influences joined the main line of cultural transmission received from the Egyptian and then the Greco-Roman civilizations. These were the things Byzantium inherited and that Serbian orthodoxy preserved and restored in the face of the Ottoman occupation. Ravanitsa was the place where I first began to perceive what predates Christianity, peeking through the remains of the pounding and pillaging that almost all Serbian monuments have endured. And so it was on my fourth visit to this fabled monastery that my scrutiny revealed a detail previously unnoticed in the upper left-hand corner of a heavily damaged window frame outside the eastern apse. Etched into stone and staring back at me, long before I realized I was being stared at, was what appeared to be a ghostly face hidden in a decorative pillar. It wore an expression of patient wisdom, but not without an air of tragic discontent for all the suffering it had witnessed. I found myself simultaneously intrigued and disquieted. It was as if I was looking through some sort of historical window into the accumulated faces of the cultures and peoples who've inhabited these lands. Suddenly, nothing was as it seemed. Everything my eyes fell upon reflected back what was previously hidden in plain sight, mysteriously vibrant with the echoes of past forms. I shivered with awe before this revelation, and I felt connected in what I can only describe as a spiritual way to both myself and the course of our human journey, past, present, and future. Discovering these treasures put me in direct contact with the ineffable river of time I had been searching for. And it was thus that this land's medieval heritage opened an avenue of self-awareness and fulfillment that underscores my fascination with Thank you, Serbia. Visit our website at sunmagazine.ca. Subscribe for print or digital editions of Sun Magazine. With your subscription, you will help promote Serbian ethnic identity, culture, and traditions, as well as help develop new podcast content for our Canadian public and other listeners worldwide. Monastery Ljubostinja is located in a beautiful region only 9 kilometers from Vrnjačka Banja in the valley of a small mountain river and is consecrated to the Dormition of the Mother of God. It was built in the Morava style between 1388 and 1405. It is the burial site of Prince Lazar's wife, Princess Milica, whose monastic name was Yevgenia, and the nun Yefimia, the widow of despot Uglyusha Mrnjavčević, 
both of whom took their monastic vows in this monastery along with many other noble women who became widows after the battles of Maritza and Kosovo. After Lazar's death in the Battle of Kosovo, the princess ruled Serbia as regent until her son Stefan came of age, and subsequently became a nun in 1393, but remained active in state and political affairs. During the time of Kocha's frontier rebellion in the 1780s, the people were called to revolt from the monastery Ljubostinja. After the failure of the revolt, the Turks set fire to the monastery as an act of retribution against the Serbs. This is when the majority of the frescoes were destroyed. In addition to that, as a result of the fire, a secret repository was discovered hidden in the monastery wall behind an icon, in which Princess Milica had hidden her treasure. Among the looted treasure was also Prince Lazar's crown, which is currently located in Istanbul. From the outside, the monastery church is preserved in its almost original appearance as a building in the Morava style, made from cut rubble with plaster and a painted facade and marked ornamentation. In the narthex, one can see the portraits of Prince Lazar and Princess Milica done by the hero monk Makaria. The monastery is also known for its very valuable iconostasis from the 19th century. Ljubosinja has been a women's monastery since 1937 and houses around 50 nuns. Medieval Serbian monasteries and churches are witnesses to the rise and fall of the Serbian Empire, but also the incredible resilience of the Serbian people and its culture against foreign influences. These buildings are the most beautiful and valuable vestiges from the powerful Nemanjic and Lazarević dynasties, who were building Serbian statehood and enshrining Serbian spirituality. The rulers built them to honor God and saints, but also to serve as their final resting places. The people use them as temples of religion, culture, art, and the preservation of national consciousness and pride. The Serbs lost their independent nation with the Turkish occupation, but even under those circumstances, they were able to preserve Christian culture and Serbian identity. Churches and monasteries, the centers of spirituality, by some wonderful miracle, were not extinguished even during almost five centuries of bondage. These buildings raised the Serbian spirit when everything else was failing. Not only were these places reminders of the golden age of the building of these endowments, but they were also places where Serbian culture continued to be created and preserved. Medieval Serbian literature and fresco painting are the best and clearest testament to this. You are listening to the podcast of Canadian Serbian Sun magazine about Serbs and Serbian culture around the world. Join us for future episodes where Sun reporters will continue to introduce you to the traditions and culture of the Serbian people. Until next time, greetings from the editorial team at Sun Magazine. The creation of this podcast was financially supported by the Canadian government. Music